0: Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Welcome to the Out of Bounds podcast with John Neighbors and Joe Franklin. Subscribe and download wherever podcasts are found or visit 1037thebuzz.com. Welcome
1: to Out of Bounds here on this beautiful day here in the great state of arkansas appreciate everybody listening in this afternoon john neighbors alongside joe franklin as we are broadcasting live from barton coliseum for the arkansas regional of robotics and joe this this is the first time i've ever even been to a show like this i don't know much about it other than the first three things that we learned as we were coming in and we were talking with some of the people here but i'm telling you right now this is a very very lit event, as the kids <laughs> would say these days. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say that
2: again. But just know that it's a very great event that's got a lot of energy going on right now at Barton. Yeah, there is a lot of energy, and we're going to learn a lot today because we don't know a lot about robotics. But what it's intriguing to me is the fact that they had to build their robot, and for a competition that they didn't know what the competition was until they actually stepped through the doors here at Barton Coliseum.
1: Yeah, that's what's crazy about it. And I know that we're going to give you a lot more information on this. We're going to talk to a few people that – Are part of the Arkansas Regional of Robotics. And what's crazy too is not only is it a great atmosphere and a great event that's going on, but you also have people that have traveled from all over the country. You got people from California, you got people from Texas, you got people from Louisiana, you got people from even Mexico. So even out of the country, people are coming to this event. So it's an awesome event that's going to be going on this weekend, and it's free admission. So if you're in the area, come on by and see us and check out this great event that. I mean, again, robotics is something that's way over my pay grade, and it's crazy that most of these kids are in high school because when I was in high school, I could barely do and pass Algebra 1. These guys are out here building robots that can do things that I never thought possible.
2: Well, it's the beauty of technology, and we've come a long way. And um, this is something that's always been available, but we know a lot more about it these days, and kids these days know a lot more about it, and they're into it a lot Mm -hmm. more, it seems like.
1: Yeah, because one of the things that it started reminding me of is something I used to watch a long time ago. was BattleBots. I don't know if you ever remember BattleBots or anything like that. I've watched it before. Yeah, yeah. A few friends of mine were really big into it as well, and that's what it gives me the vibe. Now, these robots don't destroy each other. It's nothing like that, but they have, like, this little... obstacle course if you will where it's got a lot of different uh like balls that people try to throw into these hoops and stuff it's almost like a sport of its own way they're playing basketball with robots essentially how cool is that yeah and they're making more shots than i probably could if i went out there and tried to shoot some threes absolutely they are yeah so that so it's an awesome event again we're going to tell you more about it as the show goes on we'll have some people to talk about it as well it's a great event so again come on by free admission here at barton coliseum and we got a lot of things we want to get into today joe obviously the first thing and foremost thing we got to get into is the Razorback basketball team. What a victory last night for the Razorbacks as they close out the regular season of Bud Walton Arena by beating the LSU Tigers, a final score of 99 to 90. 99 points for the Razorbacks. I wonder
2: what Navy Mike was thinking as that game was going on. Uh, he talked yesterday about if the scores are up and they're so high, and we're always talking yeah. about the overs, we, we were high on the over going into this game, pun intended. But um, I said, well, what if the Razorbacks scored 90? They did it even better. They scored 99. Now, they gave up 90, but they scored 99. Here's the kicker, though. They missed 19 free throws. <laughs> they had the ability to score about 110 in that game if they hit their free throws. Yeah. I've never seen a team miss so many free throws and win a game. But it just showed that they went to the line so many times that they had the opportunities to miss so many free throws. So you have to be thankful for for it in that aspect, that they were sent to the line so many times. But you got to clean that up. If if you're going to win games down the stretch, you have to hit your free throws.
1: It's incredible when you mention how many they missed. I I don't know what's more incredible, the amount they missed or the amount they took in general. Fifty-four free throws by the Razorbacks last night. Fifty-four. You know how many field goals they attempted? 56 so think about that they almost attempted as many free throws as field goals and won this game 36 of 54 is what arkansas went uh the majority of those field goals or excuse me the free throws of course came from mason jones who goes 12 of 14 jimmy went went 8 of 12 which is actually a pretty decent percentage for him it's about right on point
2: oh it's great for him yeah and how about jimmy witt on senior night 26 Man.
1: points 26 points goes for the double double 15 rebounds he wanted to make sure his final game as a razorback and bud walton uh, presumably unless we'll see how the nit goes but the regular season whoa I should say, whoa
2: whoa we're getting a little uh, ahead of ourselves i know i'm just
1: throwing it out there that it could not be the last game in Bud Walton arena for these guys but either way he does a phenomenal job isaiah joe uh you know he didn't really shoot the ball well went one of seven all seven of his field goals were three pointers so he only made one but he did go eight of eight from the line he and since he's returned joe knock on wood i probably just jinxed him he has been 100 percent from the free throw line since his return from injury so Uh, He did a great job at it, but obviously the missed free throws coming to play. Ethan Henderson, another guy we're going to have to talk about. Uh, It has to be his best game so far of the year, right? He goes out there, and he actually gets 10 points. Talking about double-digit points. He went to the free throw line nine times, only made four but he was three of three from the field because every basket he made was right on their goal. Two of them were dunks. The other one was an and-one opportunity that he got. So just a phenomenal game for him. It was just a great game offensively from everybody. And that's really the one thing that you'll have to look at and say, you know what, this team did not hit their free throws. We get that. We understand it. But luckily for Arkansas, they did enough offensively, especially another great performance by Mason Jones with 36 points, to be able to get a victory against LSU.
2: Yeah, Mason Jones' performance is one that shouldn't be forgotten. But you think about the other guys and what they bring to the table, what they were able to bring to the table in this game. You just talk about Ethan Henderson. We talk about the effort plays with him where he's going out and getting rebounds and uh, blocks, steals, whatever it may be. But for Ethan Henderson to score 10 points, that's a bonus. So when he brings that to the table and he's scoring points as well, it's a, a recipe for winning. Absolutely. And here's another thing, too, that uh, just a
1: few stats, though, I find fascinating from this game. LSU had a player, fa- actually two players foul out. Uh, Javante Smart was one and Darius Days was the other. Darius, Darius
2: days, days, he killed
1: us the yeah, last game. Yeah, and he was completely and totally uh, out of the game in this one. Only had four points, played 11 minutes, fouled a lot. But here's a stat for you, Joe. Darius Days was the first player that Arkansas has played against that has fouled out of a game this year. That is the first time a player for the opposing team has fouled out against Arkansas this year.
2: Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense, especially with Arkansas and the players that have fouled out through the course of the yeah. season. <laughs> um, I don't know what to say about that. I, yeah. I don't know if um, it's – there's always some kind of conspiracy theory out there about Arkansas when it comes to uh, not necessarily getting respect around the conference or – There's a bias against us in some kind of way. I don't necessarily buy into that, but either the team is not putting guys in a position where they're fouling so much to foul out of a game, or there's the conspiracy theorists out there that'll go the other side of it and say that no, they just have something against Arkansas and they're (laughs) not calling the fouls. Well, last night they called a number of fouls, so. Arkansas was able to benefit from that.
1: Absolutely. And I'll say this, Joe, and you better write this down, take a picture, record it, save it, because it ain't going to be said very often from me. The Razorbacks benefited from the officiating last night. Oh, they did. I mean, let's just be honest about it. I'm taking it all day long. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to have any issue with it because it was my team, and any time it's my team, then I'm good with it. But – the fact that Arkansas shot 54 free throws compared to 23 from LSU. Again, I'm not saying LSU didn't foul in a lot of those cases. I'm just saying that there was a lot of calls that
3: you know, may, questionable. May, may have been
1: questionable. And you also saw the technical that was given uh, to when uh, I'm trying to remember his name for LSU. As uh, it, it name just escaped me there. I'm going to have to remember it. But anyways, he hit a three. It's going back down on the other side of the court. Uh, said something to the bench. The it Watford? I believe it was Watford. Yes. yes. Uh, I got a, I got the box score pulled up. And yeah, I that, to go it, it, it was Watford. That's right. Okay, you got it right. So, yeah, so the fact that he did it, and then he, you know, said something to the bench, got the technical, you know, I don't know what was said. Maybe it was warranted. I, I don't know. But you just sometimes you don't really see those calls even go the same way because you always see a little chirping, but. Maybe they warned him and said, hey, you've been doing it a while. Stop doing it. Maybe whatever he said was really egregious. I'm not sure. But, again, if you're an Arkansas fan. You welcome it. Yeah, You, clap. you embrace the fact that you got that benefit because, again, it doesn't seem to happen very often.
2: So now the question becomes, Joe. Well, Mason Jones, right before halftime, wanted to bring that up as well. Oh, yeah. Where he hits the three and kicks his leg out where they could have called an offensive Forgot foul. Forgot about that one, yeah. But he benefited. It was a great play. It was a great move by him. He hit the shot. And then he gets the foul. He gets the N one. I couldn't believe they gave him that. I, honestly, I couldn't believe it either. I,
1: I thought it was so blatantly obvious he kicked that <laughs> leg out. But, again, if you're a Razorback fan, that's what you take. Take it all day long because it's not going to happen very often. So now the question becomes, Joe. With this game last night, Arkansas gets the victory. Now they're sitting at 19-11, 7-10 in conference play. they got Texas A&M on the road, who just beat Auburn last night in Auburn. So a big win for them.
2: And they have a history of doing that, going to Auburn and winning.
1: Yes, they do. So now the question becomes, with last night's victory, does that change anything in your mind as far as what you believe Arkansas will be in postseason play as far as now you feel, Mike, a lot more confident about the NCAA tournament? Do you think their chances have been elevated? Is it still like... Well, that's great they won that, but they still got to win
2: a and I mean, where's your feelings at? Oh, their chances are elevated for sure, but they still have work to do. That's that's the whole thing about it. It's It was a good win, and they talked about them being on the line of next four out, but that just shows that they still have work to do, and they need some help. They need to do, go out and do what they should do as far as winning, but they're going to have to depend on other teams to lose some games and drop some games along the way and get some help yeah they're going to need that help and texas
1: a&m is a team that honestly it's amazing what buzz williams has done in year one i thought that especially with their regular season and how bad they are their non-conference season they were so bad they were losing some really bad games to some bad teams but once they got in the conference play uh, they're going to finish more than likely with a winning record in conference play so uh, assuming well, we'll see how that arkansas game goes but you know they they've done a phenomenal job buzz williams does a phenomenal job and honestly he might be up i think he should be up for coach of the year just like guys like eric musselman should be at least in consideration i don't think he'll win but uh there's been some really good coaching jobs by some of these teams and some of these coaches in the sec but now it becomes that if arkansas wins against let's just assume because that's what we like to do we like to assume even yeah. though we know what it does to people but let's assume that arkansas gets that victory against AM. is it going to come down to all right Still got to win
2: the tournament in the SEC. You got to win a game or two. What's what's going to be the it's going to be the kicker there? Yeah, I don't think it comes down to you have to win the SEC tournament, but you do need to get some wins in the SEC tournament. And I say wins meaning a minimum of two. But if you win at A and M and then you win a game in the SEC tournament, there's still an argument out there because of other things and other factors with teams out there that. May not be as impressive in their showing in their conference tournament, or they may drop a couple of games down the stretch that they shouldn't drop. There'll be other factors, but there'll be an argument to get them in because they'll, in that scenario, they'll have 21 wins. Now, they'll have 12 losses if they only win one game. Um, but they'll look at Isaiah Joe being out mm-hmm. for a number of games yep. and the type of team they were with him beginning of the season without them and then how they finish with them at the end of the season and i'll throw this in there too joe i don't
1: you know i don't know i don't talk to the ncaa committee exactly on how they do it but here here's my theory behind it too i think the ncaa tournament committee they want the best teams in there of course but they also want they want storylines they want box office they want entertainment they want people to be intrigued by it. And I think another thing that helps Arkansas, I'm not going to say it's a determining factor, I think another big thing that helps Arkansas is the fact that Mason Jones can go for 35, 40 points a night and not even blink. And I think that the NCAA, they like having those players in the tournament because, you know, you think about so many players that, that – Steph Curry was one of those guys. I'm not trying to compare Mason Jones to Steph Curry. Don't uh, get me wrong. You just did it. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just <laughs> saying, though, that he, he was a guy that was a single player on a team that not really many people even knew where it was – but he was an intriguing player that people had their eyeballs on because they knew he was a scoring machine. Same thing with, like, a Jimmer Ferdette. Oh, yeah. And when he was there, he, he was just a guy that was like, man, this guy can score at will. I think that it, maybe the NCAA tournament committee will look at that, too. If Arkansas is on that bubble as that a borderline team, not only where they look at their wins and losses, but they'll always say, hey, they also got this player, Mason Jones, that can light up teams like nobody's business, and that's something that we want to watch. That's something we want to see. And so maybe, just maybe, that would be another factor that would go into it if Arkansas is still trying
2: to get into the NCAA tournament. That is an intriguing factor, and they do look at certain things like that, but a lot of times it kind of goes hand-in-hand where you'll have that type of player on a team, but they kind of dominated their conference. Because you're talking situations of guys who were in smaller conferences, so they dominated their conference, and they had a large number of wins. So usually those things go hand-in-hand. It's something they look at, but it uh, I think it'd be a smaller factor in this case. Right, and, ma- and maybe so, and
1: maybe so, because there's not really many times where you see a team like Arkansas, who's a borderline bubble team, but also where they have a player that is so electric, and offensively at least, like Mason Jones, where it's kind of up in the air of whether or not they'll get into the tournament. I'm just saying that if it came down to, say, Arkansas and some other team that they're choosing between, that they're about as even as it goes, but... Arkansas has got Mason Jones, and the other team doesn't really have that star-studded power guy. Could be the deciding factor. Exactly. And, again, I'm not saying that's what they do or how they look at it. I just think that the NCAA, like anything else, is about ratings. They're about storylines. They're about getting eyeballs on their television sets, even though we all know that the NCAA tournament's not going to ever have, have a problem with ratings. But they also like to have those storylines, no matter the team, Because, listen, you know that Duke's going to be up there. You know Kansas is going to be up there. You know Baylor's going to be up there. You know those are going to be the best teams. But how do you get people to be intrigued about a 7-10 matchup between Arkansas and some other team that nobody knows about? You get somebody that's like, man, look at this guy who's averaging 30 points a game over the past month. Check this guy out.
2: I think that that might be something they look into. That would be a great spot for them to be in also if they're in that 7-10 game. I would love for that to happen. So, the, the hope is still out there, and they just have to go out and win a couple of games, and we'll see what happens. Let's go to the phones now and talk to Lewis. What's up, Lewis?
3: Hey, Joe, and how, how you guys doing? Doing good. good. All right, good, good, good. Hey, man, I had not talked to you in a while, but I've been listening every day. But, hey, John, um, um, i got to agree with you. I, they do like storylines, but I think also uh, the fact that, that uh, Isaiah Joe was out for those five or six games i think i think they'll take that into consideration as well what about you what do
1: you think about that oh yeah i think so too because listen we know that the uh the ncaa tournament committee they not only look at players but they also take everything into consideration about certain teams It, it would be one thing if they just looked at wins and losses and say okay good loss bad loss here you go but i think that in a case like arkansas if they are even any sort of doubting of, okay, well, what about this team? Why should we put them in? Why shouldn't we put them in? I think that they're going to have to look back and say, well, we might want to put them in because here's their record without one of their best players in Isaiah Joe, and here's their record with Isaiah Joe, and it's night and day. This team, when they have a healthy Isaiah Joe, is an NCAA tournament team. But just like a lot of other teams out there, I'd like to see any other team who missed their second-best player for an extended period of time, do well. I mean, it just doesn't happen that often, unless you're one of the big blue buds with five stars all over the place. So I think the NCAA tournament will 100% take it into consideration, or if they don't, they absolutely should take it into consideration.
3: Yeah, and if you look at those games that he missed, and and you you were talking about the free throw shooting a while ago, had they made their free throws, they would have won at least three, if not four of those games.
2: Yeah, yeah. Even Lewis, even if they win two of those five Look at where they're sitting now, as opposed to what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. If they won two exactly. of those five games, we'd be talking about seeding in the tournament. Yep,
4: yep,
3: absolutely. And and you know, and that's the last thing I was going to say is, when are they going to understand that they got to make the free throws, man? It doesn't make sense to me. Eighteen free throws, especially at home, on on goals that you know very well. I, I just don't understand that.
2: And a lot of times, you're not going to have that many opportunities, so you got to make the best of the opportunity to miss that many free throws and win a game they have to be uh thanking them thanking just the effort that they were able to give and uh come away with a win
3: absolutely well that's all i had guys i, I it's, it's good to listen to you every day and i appreciate your time man hey,
1: appreciate i appreciate it, it louis hey real quick joe uh, just as far as the free throw thing goes like i get it and i and i understand you can't miss that many free throws but here's the thing isaiah joe goes 100 percent goes eight of eight mason jones goes 12 of 14 which is about the clip that he's going at and Jimmy Witt hits 8 of 12, which is, again, as far as his averages go, that's about the great for him. The problem was is Ethan Henderson going 4 of 9, which, you know, hey, he goes. I'm not expecting him to go 100%. I'd like to him to, but that's just who he is. The real disappointment, I think, though, is Desi Sills 3 of 8. Yeah. you got to have a guard, especially somebody who can hit threes like Desi is capable of. You can't have him shooting under 50% from the free throw. What was you the overall percentage from the line? The overall percentage, well, I just got to do the math here as far as a 36 out of 54, looking at it right now.
2: And the box score for Arkansas, it looks like that is a 66%. Uh, See, that's unacceptable. As a team. Yeah. As a team, you have to shoot better than that. Now, if there's one guy like Desi, if Desi shot a low percentage alone, but as a team, you got to be in the 70s. you got to be mid-70s and above. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as a team, that's the key. But,
1: again, if you just look at the individuals, though, they did exactly what you expect them out of. And I give credit to Ethan Henderson for getting to the line. But if you get to the line nine times, you know, you got to you got to do better than four out of nine. I mean, Adriel Bailey got to the line twice, missed both of his. Jalen Harris got there once, missed one of his. It, it's just it, – it adds up. So if, if Mason Jones can just keep getting to the line and Isaiah Joe keep getting to the line, those are the only people you want getting to the line.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the other team, you know, they're going to try to take those guys away mm-hmm. and make an effort to get those other guys and foul them and send them to the line. So – Even though those are your better free-throw shooters and you want to concentrate on getting them to the line, the other guys still have to make the most of their opportunities as well. That's right. And and I read a stat, too, yesterday, Joe, and I'll I'll double-check on this, but
1: uh, that Mason Jones has attempted more free-throws in a single SEC season than any other player in history. More free-throws attempted in an SEC season than any other player in history. Now, you got to take into account that there's two more games now than what there was for a long period of time because you play an 18-game SEC schedule instead of a 16-game, much was what it used to be. Right, but at this point. But at this that, point, he's already hit it, yeah, with yeah. one more game to go. So it just shows you, because if you think about it, every free throw uh, box score that we see, every game, even Arkansas's losses, seems like Mason
2: Jones goes for at least 12, 14 attempts. Well, it shows that he continues to amaze with his game because we're having discussions about, is he one of the all-time great Razorbacks? We know that he is having one of the all-time great seasons, and not only with his scoring, but talking about that part of it, getting to the line and, and more attempts than any player in SEC history. That says a lot about the season he's having. It's extremely impressive. we got a lot
1: to talk about here on Out of Bounds, folks. Of course, we're going to continue to take your phone calls. We're going to have some guests here. They're going to tell us more about the great event going on right here at Barton Coliseum for their Arkansas Regional of Robotics. So we're going to have some fun with that. We're also going to be joined by Pat Bradley. Talk a lot more about Arkansas basketball with him, and Mark the Magician is going to be joining us as well. So we've got a full show for everybody, Joe, and we're going to have some fun doing it if you want to get on the conversation. 501-433-1037 is the number to call in on the West End Cigars Hotline. This is Out of Bounds, live from Barton Coliseum on 103.7 The Buzz.
0: You're listening to the Out of Bounds podcast with John Neighbors and Joe Franklin. Follow the show on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors and at 103.7 The Buzz.
2: Where are you today? We saw you in studio last night. Great win for the Razorbacks. Yeah,
5: buddy. I'm actually
2: back in uh, Beanstown. My uh, equipment is on the fritz. So go going okay. hotline mean, action with y'all. Yeah, yeah, you're on the West End Cigars hotline. We can work around that, no problem. We had oh, uh, your buddy on yesterday, Peter Burns, Yeah, and he was talking great about you. And um, I asked uh-huh. him who is the true PB around the SEC Network Studios, so we got his answer, and now I'm, I'm wanting to ask you. Who's truly P B around the SEC network?
5: Well the way I say it is he we're both P B I'm the crunchy version, he's the smooth version of of the peanut butter.
2: <laughs> you guys are in sync, man. That's exactly what he said. <laughs>
5: you know, I gotta throw him phone every once in a while, man. You know what I mean? That's what I live for.
1: Yeah. Well, well, Pat, tell us about that uh, game last night with Arkansas and LSU. We gave our breakdown of it, but, man, what an offensive explosion that Arkansas had, had over 50 points in the first half. Mason Jones doing Mason Jones things, but Jimmy Witt going out big. I mean, just what a great offensive performance, man.
5: It was, and, you know, just when, you know, you think Mason Jones cannot do any more, the guy just does more. (laughs) I can't think of. I just can't really think of a situation. And, you know, there are a lot of factors that go into being able to do what he does. Um, you know, Musselman's doing a great job of isolating him in certain situations. Uh, he's, you know, the one of the most talented scorers in the SEC. I think if you look around the league, uh, Reggie Perry... Anthony Edwards and Mason Jones are maybe Brian Tyree from Ole Miss, are uh, really only guys that command double-team. Like, if you throw it to them, it's done one-on-one. It's over. So you have to send a double-team to those guys. And Musselman's just doing a great job of not allowing – you know, putting him in situations, of course, in transition. You know, which they were able to get in transition last night because they rebounded.
0: You know, Jimmy Witt
5: was—I—that's I, the thing. It's like you look at the numbers, and everyone's talking about Mason Jones, I'm sure, but and Jimmy Witt being able to defensive rebound allowed them to get in transition, allowed Mason Jones to get his stuff off, allow you know, just just—that's—that's that's the beauty of, of being able to defensive rebound. Which they haven't been great at, but they were last night. So that 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 was the difference. Defensive rebounding, number one, and number two, um, that small lineup that they go. You know, LSU just doesn't have. You know, they may have maybe two guys that can defend the dribble effectively, and uh, you know, when the hogs go small, you got multiple guys that can take them off the dribble. Uh Jimmy Witt playing against power forwards, you know, he's going to be able to get to the rim a lot against those guys. Uh, so, you know, that that was key for them. Um, and don't forget, LSU gave up 99 to Vanderbilt, too. So you're going to be able to get some shots off against those. Two.
2: So as amazing as that win was last night, Patton put up a number of points, is it concerning with the number of free throws that were missed? Missed? <laughs> Yes. Yeah, they missed like 19 free throws. Um, who who missed the most though? I don't. I mean, here's the thing: like Auburn,
5: for the majority of the season, has been has the worst free throw shooting percentage in the league. Um, And I know they lost last night, but uh, I don't think it's concerning. Uh, until we, you know, really, I guess you know, the only time it's concerning is if you can look back at it and say, you know, we lost this at the free throw line. You know, if you lose by five and you miss 12 of them or, you know, at the end of the game, miss miss some to, to win the game. Um, so I'm always with, if the right guys are taking free throws, then we get, we get a great shot at making them. And, um, you know, that was the important thing I, is that we were just so aggressive. And that was, that was that was a good sign is just how aggressive everybody was attacking the rim.
1: Well, because I was looking at the free throw, just the, the, the stat that we brought up was that Arkansas went 36 of 54 from the free throw line. So a ton of free throws. Crazy, 18, 18, right? 18, 18, Yeah, just a ton so of guys, free throws. But I got – go ahead. You, you guys ever remember a
5: year where – seen so many
1: uh,
5: free throws, like, throughout the league, like, we've seen 54, I mean, just insane, it seems like, how many free throws that some teams are getting this year, I've never seen it, I don't know if you guys have.
2: No, I I can't remember seeing that, so, um, yeah, because I was about to to
1: bring up the fact, though, Pat, is that uh, there was a stat that got tweeted out that as far as conferences go the SEC is far and away the conference that has wow. the most foul calls of any other conference. Now, I know people are going to say, oh, that's just because the officiating is awful." I'm not saying that because, hey, if you commit the fouls, you commit the fouls. But I think that that's definitely something that's gone into play on it. I was trying to find the stat. But I do know that the SEC far and away has more fouls called this year than any other conference in
2: America. So as a player, Pat, how do you adjust to that? I don't know if you can. And, and the thing is with the officials – like,
5: you'll see the same officials um, officiating different leagues sometimes, too. You know, I think Doug Shaw's does, like, different leagues. Um, but, you, you know, you just – either you live with it, and that's part of the game. And, you know, like, South Carolina, for instance, commits – they – I know it's at one point this year, they committed more fouls than anybody in the entire country. And – That's just the way Frank Martin's like, listen, we are not going to get out of the way. We are going to continue to be physical. Yes, we have to foul less, but we will not stop playing the kind of physical defense that I want these guys to play. So at some point, you just got to be like, okay, you know what? Go to the free throw line and make them. You know, if that's how, because I don't, in a way, Joe, it's like, Yes, you don't want to continue to make stupid fouls, but in no way, shape, or form are you going to change who, you know, your DNA of a defensive team. Like, like the cheapy reach-ins or the over-the-back; those types of things are stupid fouls. We know that you can you can recognize those fouls easily. But I think you know you you just can't change and allow a guy, if you think it's not a foul, and you play defense and they call a foul, then, you know, it's almost like, well, we got to live with that. You know, South Carolina has, and, you know, at times the Razorbacks, the, the unfortunate thing about the Hogs is they got you no know, depth. You know, South Carolina plays 11, 12 guys, so <laughs> if they if they follow a few guys out, it's no problem. The, pro, the issue with the Hogs is they follow a few guys out, and we don't have many left. But um, that's the tricky thing, Freak. It's, it's like, um, you know, you you if that's how they're calling it, yeah, we can we can adjust. But we're not going to give an inch. You know what I'm saying? We're not going to just allow yeah. you to get to the hoop. So it's hey, go to the free throw line and make them. Maybe they'll miss nineteen. You know, maybe the opponent will miss nineteen like the Hawks did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, like, well uh... like
5: I remember. You know, like uh, Coach Richardson used to tell you you guys, uh, they put you at the free throw line, and it's like a turnover. So maybe that's their strategy.
1: Well, Pat, let me ask you this, too, because I know that Arkansas is going up against Texas A&M in the final game of the regular season this weekend down there in College Station. Now, these two teams met the very first game of the conference season. Arkansas got the victory at home in Bud Walton Arena but it's like it seems like it was eons ago because not only has Arkansas had a lot of things go on, but Texas A&M has been a team. They had a tough non-conference slate, but, man, oh, man, if they bounced back in the conference schedule. They got a big victory against Auburn last night. Uh, how, what do you make of this matchup, and how do you feel about Arkansas going into this game in the college station on the road against the Aggies?
5: Well, they've got um, a big, strong post presence in Josh Nebo. And, you know, you look at how they beat Auburn last night. It was a it was an absolute clinic of how to go on the road because they didn't turn it over. They had 38 points in the paint. And uh, Josh Nebo, about 6'10", you know, 260, two seven, whatever he is, um, he just dominated the paint. So that's a huge concern. And the one thing that they do is with their – and I'm sure Buzz Williams is probably not going to do this off. But, or maybe he will. They do a, run like a 1-3-1 one, one, or 1-2-2. One, of two, two, so like a half-court zone kind of, I would call it trapping half-court. And But it leaves three-point shots open in the wing, in the corner. So I don't know if he's going to run that. If he does. Isaiah Joe, Mason Jones, going to have big, big nights as he feels. Uh, so they may he may just go straight up man to man and, um, and, and challenge the Hogs to try to score at the rim. But Texas A&M's got some talent, man. Uh, you know, that's the one thing is uh, they've got about three guys, four guys that can really go. Um, so the challenge is going
2: to be how do you defend Nebo and how do you defend the paint? Ethan so much is that? good, though. Yeah, Pat, how much is that a team improved from the first time Arkansas saw them in the first game of conference season?
5: It's just, it's been a process. You know, it's been, you know, they, unlike the Hogs, they really hadn't suffered through injuries. So they've kind of had the same group of guys. And, you know, that's, you know, you can see, you know, if Musselman had, you know, a strong roster to work with, you know, we'd be getting, you know, you wouldn't see so many kind of ups and downs, you know, with Isaiah Joe being hurt. But I just think that Buzz Williams, you know, his calling card is defense, physicality, and the more, and, and a lot of times learning different defenses is going to take a lot longer than learning offenses. And so that's probably been it for them, is just understanding the kind of defense that he wants and how to run it and what to expect. Um, and that's really has been the thing. Like I said, I, I never thought that they were short on a lot of talent. I mean, they don't have a ton of talent, but they got enough to win some games. It's just been when are they going to start understanding what he wants and, and start running his system?
1: Now, Pat, also I wanted to just kind of look at the state of the SEC as we're getting closer to the SEC tournament. Uh, It's just how many teams would you say have a legitimate shot to win the SEC tournament? Because we know about some of the good teams like Auburn, like Kentucky, you know, and LSU's played well. But how many teams would you say in this league actually have a legitimate shot of winning the SEC tournament? Well, uh, you've
5: got South Carolina, Mississippi State, um, Man, I hope if the Hogs, <laughs> if they're able to get it on a Thursday, you know, because trying to win it from Wednesday is going to be extremely difficult. Um, and maybe Alabama, I, I don't, I, it'd be tough, tough to see Alabama. You know, obviously Kentucky is the most talented team and the most complete team. South Carolina's already beat them. Um, Mississippi State can, can challenge them. Obviously, LSU. And uh, Auburn can. Uh, so, you know, throw Alabama in there, and, and, and I'd say, what's that, about six, seven teams have an opportunity yeah, so to win half. that tournament.
2: Yeah, about half Maybe the teams have them. a legit chance.
5: Florida, I've thought about Florida. So, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely wide open. And Kentucky's got to go to Florida on Saturday. So if they're limping into the SEC tournament, who knows where their mentality is going to be.
2: All right, PB. Uh, we got you here for this one segment. We're gonna bring Sterling in. To, he has a comment as well. What's up, Sterling? Oh, nothing much,
4: guys. I have some questions for Pat. Uh, uh, first thing is, uh, you know, I hear people talk about our size, and I don't look at it as a, as a detriment. Uh, you know, you saw the, what the Rockets done. They traded for uh, Capella to get smaller and, and trying new things, and the game has became positionless, and we have rebounded. Uh-huh. So I mean, it's hard for me to put rebounding on our sides when you play the team one time you get out read about 30, uh, thirty, and then the next time it's uh, a few, a few rebounds, a deficit. So uh, I mean, I don't know if that's an excuse or a reason, but it, you know, one day one day they do it good, one day they do it bad. And on the depth, you know, we hear we hear him say that he only want to play about eight guys, and then when we get tired or people get hurt, we don't have enough depth. Uh, I don't. I mean, I thought you didn't play more, no more than eight. I mean, which one is it? I mean, you like Steph or, or you you only play eight. Uh, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't too much understand that. I, I thought this team. People say this team is born of talent. Uh, Ain't like they got enough talent. They got enough talent to finish in the top half of this of this league. I thought. I mean, maybe not in preseason, but once they hit the floor, things change And we saw we saw what this team, what this team could do. And you know, and I think the best thing that happened to this team was Isaiah Joe getting hurt. Because now they got a built in reason or excuse, whichever way you want to classify it, for that for that down here stretch where we could have lost those games with Joe just as well as we, we did without him. And I think we got that that we can always point that yeah. out too. That's why we struggle. So I just want your thoughts on them things and it's good to hear from you, Pat. You're doing a great job on the Agency Network.
5: Take it easy. Style thing. I, I think, yeah, with that Isaiah Joe injury there was going to be a challenge in the schedule there was going to be a challenge in the schedule anyway. um, right about that time you know they were gonna hit a wall um, and that was a that was a tough stretch of games anyway and and I think Isaiah Joe now <laughs> you know he comes back fresh leg um, he's able to I think give the team a, a a breath of fresh air, you know, they have rejuvenated too when they got Isaiah Joe back. So in a, in a small, you never want a guy to go out and obviously be injured, but I think in a small way it sort of helped them um, to be a fresh team. You know, when they needed it in February when it's a grind and hopefully going to push them, you know, get them fresh for this last uh, game and then the SEC tournament.
1: Yeah, because, Pat, you know, I think about – I think it was – I'm trying to remember who called in and asked us about it earlier, Joe. But, you know, somebody was just kind of just giving us an idea and asking us about, okay, well, what about is the NCAA Tournament Committee, if they look at Arkansas, are they really going to take in consideration of uh, – well, Isaiah Joe was out for Arkansas, and they went 0-5. But with him on the court, it's a completely different thing maybe we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Do you think that the committee looks at stuff like that? I mean, do they truly say, hey, Isaiah Joe was out. We we feel better about Arkansas now that he's back.
5: Yeah, I think they do. I think they do. From what I understand, that they do look at that. Um, And they have to, man. I mean, it's it's a completely different team, um, you know, with or without him. So it's – It just makes sense for it to be that
2: way. All right, PB, we're up against it. Um, Are you? um, What do you think with Brady, man? Is is he staying or is he going? Oh, buddy, it's funny you say that because uh,
5: (laughs) the all the talk of the town, Tommy B. I say he stays. I say he stays. Come on now, fellas.
1: (laughs) What do you think? Hey, Pat, I'm with you, though. I'm with you. I'm with you. He's he's going to
2: L.A., baby. He's going to L.A. or he's going to (laughs) Vegas, one of
1: them. (laughs) I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, i I I tell you what, Pat. We'll we'll have to monitor the situation for you, but we'll be catching up with you next week. Maybe we'll have an update on it, all right? SEC turning.
2: Get ready for it. And, PB, if you get any breaking news from there, Cause you're in the heart of it. Make sure you hit us up and give us some. Yeah, I I will. I will. For sure.
5: For sure. Yeah, definitely.
2: All right. Appreciate it, Pat, man. Really appreciate
5: it.
1: Talk to you next week. And uh, hopefully we have some good, more good news to talk about with Pat. We got another segment coming up on out of bounds broadcasting live from Barton Coliseum for the Arkansas regional robotics.
0: You're listening to the out of bounds podcast with John neighbors and Joe Franklin. Follow the show on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors and at 103.7 The Buzz. We're going
1: by another guest here, Joe, as we have Elizabeth Fisher, who is here as
0: part of the
1: event going on right now at Barton Coliseum. How are you doing, Elizabeth?
6: I'm doing great. I'm loving being
1: out here today. Well, you know, me and Joe were talking when we first got uh, told that we were going to be coming out here and doing a broadcast. I'll be honest, I didn't know much about this thing. I-, I didn't know really what it was, but now that I've gotten here and have been able to talk to a few people, I think I'm getting a better idea, but for someone like you that's probably Mm -hmm. been doing this for a while and knows a lot more about it, tell people what exactly goes on here at this event.
6: Yeah, so a lot of people will come in and they think it's BattleBots. It's not quite BattleBots. Um, This is a high school program. It's first robotics competition FIRST is a a bigger organization. This is the high school team specific to it. And, um, I mean, out here we have 60 teams from all over the country. They are, are given six weeks to build a robot based on a particular game that's released each year very small amount of time to build a 120 pound robot but it is awesome and super hardcore and it's a really unique environment because you have super competitive people but because you're on an alliance with two other teams then you have to be you know have a kindness and respect for other people so it's really unique
2: so that was the most intriguing thing to me that Mm -hmm. you build a robot and you don't know exactly what the competition is Mm -hmm. so what is the game that they're playing today
6: so uh this is actually a star wars inspired game It was a really cool partnership between disney and first um we had Mark Hamill release the game for us this year, which was pretty nice. awesome. That is cool. So um, it's a shooting game this year. So you have uh, just a goal to shoot into with basically dodgeballs. And then you have your rendezvous, you know, because you're part of the Rebel Alliance, of course. Um, and you have to hang on this uh, kind of like a balance beam where it swings back and forth. So there's a lot of different elements to the game. And it's really interesting. It's been a fun game.
1: Yeah, because I'm sitting here trying to, trying to watch it from our angle over here. Mm-hmm. And so when – how, do, how does the game work? Because I see there's, like, little goals and things. They have to mm-hmm. make it into the top hole pretty much, and then there's a bottom hole yeah. there. Is that how it works? So
6: it's called – they're called ports, you know, because it's Star Wars themed. Of course. Got to make sure I
1: get the term right. <laughs> so you have,
6: you know, your higher port. That's big. That's worth more points. They have a lower port. It's a lot easier to access, so it's worth less points. Um, so most you are trying to shoot into the port. You also reach different levels within the game. So that's what our – it's we call it the Wheel of Fortune. It's not the Wheel of Fortune, but it's a um, – it's a color wheel that you spin to a specific color or a certain amount of times to get you um, even more points so that every time you shoot it's worth more. And then the end game is the hanging on the beam and trying to balance that. So it's confusing but really, really fun.
2: And I, I was asking Tim earlier about the students in the stands, and something mm-hmm. else I've noticed now is they have signs. What are the signs? What are, I know they're sending mm-hmm. a message to the teams on the floor, but – what are the signs? Yeah. What do they represent? Uh,
6: most of the signs are just encouragement because um, every single student here is doing a job. You have the people driving the robot. You also have pit crew working on the robot. The kids in the stands are actually scouting. They are getting data on every single robot and what that robot can do. So they're on their phones, but what they're doing on their phones is they're filling out, like, a Google Form or whatever database that these kids are making to um, pick the best alliance number when we get on to elimination tournament.
1: So you're on a team that's mm-hmm. here. What's your team?
6: I'm from Breakaway 3937 from Searcy. Okay, uh, we host and set up this event and um, we're a nine-year-old team. So, yeah.
1: Excellent. Okay, so what is your job, Like, because you mentioned mm-hmm. how many team members there are, right. so what's your role on the team?
6: Right, so out of the 31 members on our team, which we have split up into different departments, this is not just about robots, I am in charge of the Chairman's Award, which is a first specific award that's about having STEM education to the community. And so a large part of what our team, Breakaway, does is we take all kinds of STEM curriculum, like with Lego robots or we call them snap circuit kits. It teaches the basics of STEM to kids all over the community. We go to Museum of Discovery, Beats and Eats and Circe, You'll see us at those events. And so it's, this is a small part of what we do is we're really trying to reach the community and to teach. And so that's what I do is I talk about that and present that to people. And so got an award for that last year, which was very successful. And so keep on doing that.
2: And speaking of awards, what kind of robots have you built in the past that you're actually really mm-hmm. proud of? I want to hear about some of those. So
6: last year was really fantastic for us. If you don't know, there are like 3,000 teams in the world in this organization and we went to Worlds last year. Last year's robot, we were number three in the world for scoring.
2: Oh, that's oh, awesome. Wow.
6: So <laughs> it was an incredible year for us. Um, we didn't place as high as we thought we would, but just objectively, because, you know, you have the alliances, so it makes it different. But just our robot alone objectively scored. We were number three in the world with how we shot. It was it was pretty awesome.
2: That's amazing.
1: So so let me ask you this, because we were kind of talking about it, like, since there's so many team members involved, I started mm-hmm. looking around, and I'm like, man, I'd like to just kind of, like, uh-huh. drive one of those robots and up. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking about it. That's probably a lot of work and a lot of time <laughs> and a lot of money put into those robots, and I'm sure nobody would want me, <laughs> somebody's <laughs> never driven one before, mm-hmm. driving one around, because more than likely, it would probably get wrecked. So that's what yeah, I was yeah. noticing, is it just the... The intricacies of those robots i mean it Mm -hmm. takes a looks like it takes a lot of work and time
6: it is so like our team we meet four or five days a week from 3 30 schools out to nine o'clock at night they're in the shop working their butts off to get this robot done again in six weeks which is really difficult because you have you have an autonomous period of the game too where you're not driving it so you have to program that you have to program the controls this is from scratch guys i mean these kids are doing things you haven't seen adult do before it's a really really neat program and, but I will tell you, you can drive the robot. Uh-oh. After our season's over and we're at the Museum of Discovery, we, when we bring demos, I we let other people that, oh, drive
1: it. Oh, right, that's, that's perfect. See, that's perfect. I cannot be where it's going to ruin anybody's exactly, robot. Exactly. It won't
6: ruin the season. It,
1: it can let some amateur like me go out there and mm-hmm. do it. All right. We just got about uh, 30 seconds here. Just real quick, for somebody who's never been here before, never seen what this is, just what would be the best part about it that people can enjoy?
6: The best part about it is the atmosphere. It's super, super weird. It's a bunch of nerds, and we love it. <laughs> Everybody's supporting everybody. There's no rivalries. There's no. You don't have one opponent, so we're all working together like a big family. The stress, the tears, but the joy is all together. So it's really unique, and you need to come experience it for well,
1: sure. That's Elizabeth Fisher. Appreciate you hopping on with us. Good luck with your Thank team. You. Appreciate it. So we're going to have a lot more to talk about. We'll get into not only more about this event, but also more of what's trending in sports. On the other side of the break on Out of Bounds, on Broadcasting Live from Barton Coliseum here in Glitter Rock.
0: Thanks for listening to the Out of Bounds podcast with John Neighbors and Joe Franklin. Subscribe wherever podcasts are found and be sure to visit 1037thebuzz.com for all things buzz.